This is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman. I am a certified plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer. Uh, the website is mainlyplants.com, <clears throat> or you can hit me up on social media at Mainly Plants on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, you guys know the drill. You don't need to go through all the housekeeping. Um, so before I forget, next week it is Thanksgiving. I do not believe there will be a new podcast that Friday. Um, just too much going on, and I don't want to commit to it. I, if I if I can do one, then it'll be a nice surprise for y'all. But do not um, count on me doing one next week. And uh, and then I'll see you guys. Talk to you guys uh, the weekend after that. And I hope that you guys have a great Thanksgiving. And along those lines. Let's talk briefly about Thanksgiving and how to have, how to eat plant-based over Thanksgiving. Now, it is harder, it, it's harder to eat whole food plant-based over Thanksgiving. It's super easy just to eat vegan. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, initially today. So, you know, when you go to another person's house who isn't, plant-based, there's going to be a lot of non-plant-based things. So the number one trick that I recommend is eat before you go. Do not plan on having a lot of stuff to eat if you don't know that there's going to be dishes for you. You know, there's usually a salad. Sometimes people put like feta cheese in it and shit, but you can usually pick around that. So a salad's usually a safe bet. And then you can always ask if you can bring a dish and then just make a vegan dish. So you then you'll have at least have a salad and something else. Um, that's kind of a minimum, right? So it's not that bad. Uh, eat before you go, get a little full, and then you can eat the rest there based on what you bring. If you are making your own Thanksgiving dinner, there are there's a ton of stuff you can have. I mean, everything can be veganized. There are, I had Friendsgiving at my place a few weeks ago, and for the first time I made the, I made tofurkey roasts, and I made a field roast roast. You can buy tofurkey roasts in pretty much any major store. They come frozen. And you thaw them out, and you you put them in the oven, and you baste them like you would a turkey. The directions are on the box, and they actually taste really good. I was actually pleasantly surprised. This is my first time trying it. I was a little sketched out, but they taste really good. And uh, I also made mashed potatoes. And mashed potatoes, this is what you do for the best mashed potatoes, okay? So you're going to mash potatoes by hand. You don't want to use a, a, a hand blender or anything. You want to mash them by hand. You want to add in... A good portion of vegan butter, like, um, what's that stuff? Uh, Earth Balance, I think it's called. Again, this is not necessarily, let me give a little caveat. This isn't whole food plant-based for health. This is how to eat plant-based over Thanksgiving, okay? So, you know, this is not how you should have your diet the other, the other 364 days a year. So anyway, so mashed potato, mashed potatoes by hand, add a bunch of that butter, um, the vegan butter, and then get some of that tofuti sour cream and toss a bunch of that in there also, and then salt and pepper. But it'll make it really, really fluffy, and then do a, um, a little bit of um, almond milk, unflavored, unsweetened almond milk, and mash it by hand till it's fluffy. Don't over mash it, because then it'll become kind of like sticky. But with the sour cream, the butter, and the milk should keep it from getting sticky and should be really fluffy. Super good. Uh, you can make your own cranberry sauce. So that's mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce. That is also the roast. Let's see what else. Uh, pumpkin pie can be made vegan. 
what my good friend Lindsay, she brought a vegan pumpkin pie that she made from scratch. She actually baked pie pumpkins and then used that to make the pumpkin pie. It was probably the best pumpkin pie I've ever had in my life. So all these things can be done, right? If you're gonna be cooking it yourself. So you should be covered on either end. Whether you're cooking it yourself, or you're going somewhere else, it's possible. Um, the real purpose of the day is not to eat the food, right? The real purpose of the day is to reflect on what you're thankful for and be with family and friends and have a good time and you know drink some wine if you want to um, and, and just bullshit with each other and, and relax and have a good time. So the food should not be your main focus. You know, Obviously, it's centered around a dinner, so it is a, a big focus, but for you plant-based people, enjoy all the other aspects of Thanksgiving. You know, this should really open you up to to seeing it from more than just the food. And that's kind of what I like about it now. I also had a couple questions that keep recurring about going plant-based initially. Okay, so we're gonna switch gears a little bit here. And people are always asking me, you know, what what should I do? What should I give up first? What should I quit first? And you know, I can't. I don't want to go totally plant-based. You know, how do I how do I do this? Okay, so it's hard to say what you should give up first, right? Because every every animal product is detrimental to your health. Now, I will say that you might feel you might feel better quicker from certain things than others. That doesn't mean that your body is more healthy. I hope that makes sense. Because let's say, let's say, let me give you an example. Let's say you give up dairy first, but you're still eating chicken and steak. Well, those things are still doing detrimental harm to your body, but you might notice a big change because of the dairy. I hope that makes sense. So I would recommend giving up dairy first because it's usually the hardest for people to give up. People love cheese. But there's a lot of great vegan cheeses. For every for every every um, every use, right? There's there's different kinds of like cheese spreads. There's different kinds of melting cheeses, sliced cheeses, you know, uh, brie-like cheese, cheeses for crackers. There's a whole different variety of of vegan cheeses. So give up cheese first. You'll notice that you feel a lot better physically, and then once you kind of get over that hump everything else might seem easier for you. Then you can give up the chicken, then you can give up the eggs, then you can give up the beef. And then before you know it, you're whole food plant-based 100% and it wasn't that bad. Most people can't just go cold turkey. And most people need to wean themselves off of things. However, there are some people that do go cold turkey. And that's the way that it works for them. So whatever way it works for you, you wanna, you gotta really think about what kind of personality type that you have because you want to set yourself up for success, right? And all the while keeping in mind that it's 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 progress, not perfection. So you want to think about the best way to make that shift to the plant-based lifestyle. Are you the type of person that does better weaning off of things or are you the type of person that does better going cold turkey? Now, cold turkey is pretty self-explanatory. You just give everything up overnight. Weaning yourself off, there's a bunch of different methods. Um, you know, for people who who eat a lot, you know, primarily carnivorous, prim- primarily animal products, what I would recommend is, if you're going to do the the weaning off method, still make your normal stuff, but 
have more vegetables than you normally would. So let's say you start out with, you usually do a chicken breast and then maybe um, you know a cup of steamed vegetables. Well, instead of doing a cup of steamed vegetables, do a cup and a half of steamed vegetables for a week, right? And then hopefully those will fill you up a little more to where you have less of the chicken and only eat to your full. Or instead of having steamed vegetables, do a salad before your chicken or before your steak. And that'll help fill you up and get you used to eating vegetables. So basically what you want to start doing is increase the, the vegetables slowly and slowly decrease the meat. That way you're not going through this, this drastic shock to your body in terms of you know, the, the mental aspect. Because it's pretty, pretty much what it is. It's a mental game. Just gradually increase the vegetables, slowly decrease the animal products. And you can even um, phase in the vegan alternatives for those products while you're getting the hang of things. You know, a whole food plant-based diet does not uh, incorporate a lot of, you know, vegan cheeses and vegan meats and stuff like that. But I will say that they are very useful and very handy for the transition. So if you're used to having, you know, turkey and cheese sandwiches and you're, you want to make the plant-based shift, well, you can make a turkey and cheese sandwich out of vegan turkey and vegan cheese. That way you're, 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 you're not going to have those same cravings and it's going to be a little easier on you. So what I would recommend doing is go to your, go to your local grocery store, find the vegan section and just, just splurge, buy, you know, one of everything and see what you like and see what you don't like. And that way you can start incorporating those things into your, your daily routine, whether it be tofu or the, the fake meat crumbles for things like, you know, tacos, or like I said, the sliced vegan turkey, sliced cheese, there's vegan sausages. There's a whole ton of stuff that you can find at any major grocery store. And those will help you make the shift. And then once you get on board with those, then you can just start going more towards the whole food plant-based route and less of the processed stuff. So any you know, any, um, any amount that you change is going to do your body good. So no matter how small, right? Now the other thing that you can do is... Well, there's a couple other things. There's this thing called the uh, the potato diet, and it's been around for decades. It's tried and true. It's very hard though, uh, and, and it's really if you're looking to lose a lot of weight fast and you're committed to losing the weight, okay? And what you're gonna do is eat nothing but potatoes for two weeks. After that, you're gonna eat nothing but whole food plant-based. Now, what I mean by eating potatoes is not potato chips, it's not fried stuff, it's going to be baked or boiled or microwaved. And it's not going to be seasoned. You're not adding salt to it. You're not adding pepper to it. You're not dipping it in ketchup. Nothing. Plain potatoes. And what this does is because it's so bland and it's not fun to eat, you're only going to eat until you're full. And you're not going to, it's going to keep you from overeating. And by doing that, it's going to cut your calories drastically. So you're going to lose a lot of weight fast, and then you're going to be used. To, you're going to reset your taste buds in your brain chemistry, to where you're you are okay eating potatoes for two weeks. At the end of that two weeks, since you've been eating potatoes, just whole food plant based is going to taste so good to you, and you won't even care about you know the steak or the bacon or whatever it is. So it's really kind of it's not a crash diet, but it's like a crash course diet. I hope that makes sense. Also. The other thing that you can try that I recommend highly is 
um, intermittent fasting or um, alternate day fasting. Now intermittent fasting is what I do, I do it daily, and I do not eat anything between the hours of 10 p.m. through the night till 2 p.m. the next day. I will drink water, I will drink um, you know, iced tea or beverages basically, not smoothies, um, not blended food, but just liquids. Liquids are okay. And then between the hours of 2 p.m. and 10 p.m., it's my eight-hour uh, eating block. I just I, that's, that's when I eat. And what this does is, during the fasting time, you know, I'm still I'm awake a good portion of that time. I'm going to the gym during that time. It forces my body to use its stored energy as powering my body, and that stored energy comes in the way of body fat. So it really trains my body to to use my body fat and burn that off and keep myself lean. It also takes a lot of focus off food. I don't have to worry about getting up and making breakfast or anything like that. I get up, I do some work, I go to the gym, I come back, I do some more work, and then it's time for me to eat. And highly, highly recommend intermittent fasting. A 16-hour fast is optimal, an eight-hour um, eating block. However, for those of you who are not used to that, set yourself up for success. So do a 10-hour fast, and then the next week bump it to 12, then the next week bump it to 14, and then bump it up again the next week to 16 if you need to, if you're not comfortable doing it all in one shot. But that is uh, highly recommended. Now, the alternate day fasting is, I don't do this. Some people love doing it. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but again, it does provide good results, is where you have certain days out of the week, typically between three and four days a week, where you don't eat anything. You just drink your liquids. And so it'd be like Monday you, is an eating day. You eat your normal you know, your normal routine, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, whatever it is. And then Tuesday, you don't eat anything. Now, the idea of this, along with intermittent fasting, is you know when it comes to weight loss, no matter what anybody tells you, whether it's, you know, whether it's, whether they tell you that it's sustainable or not, it's calories out versus calories in in terms of weight loss. So in order to lose weight, you have to burn more calories than you're taking in. And so if you're eating, if you're doing an alternate day fast, and let's say on Monday you eat 2,500 calories, but on Tuesday you burn 3,000, and on Monday you burned, you know, 2,000. So that's a that's a a calorie burn of 5,000 calories over two days, and you've only consumed half that. Well, then you have almost a pound of fat lost in that one day, or in those two days. Excuse me. It takes 3,555 calories burnt to lose a pound of fat. So if you burn 2,000 calories Monday, burn 3,000 Tuesday, and only eat 2,500 on Monday, and you eat nothing on Tuesday, then you have a caloric debt of 2,500. So you're burning almost a pound of fat in those two days. And if you do that three days a week, then you're going to burn three pounds a week, right? So that's what? Three, six, nine, it's 12 pounds a month. And let's just round down. Let's say it's 10 pounds a month. And then you go over a year, right? That, I mean, you could significantly, you could lose a significant amount of weight considering you're, you know, very overweight. You could lose 100 pounds a year. Even if you lose a pound a week, just one pound, that's 52 pounds in a year. That's very significant. So what may seem 
minute in the short run is actually very substantial in the long run. So it's you know it's a it's a uh, it's a numbers game in terms of the long run. You don't want to get caught up in the short term. I typically will burn 3,000 calories a day and I'll eat around 2,500. So that's how pretty much how I stay lean. Um, I highly recommend it. I love intermittent fasting. Alternate day fasting, if, if you enjoy that, go for it. If you have any questions on any of this, please, please, please um, email me. Yeah, because if you're going to think about doing intermittent fasting and haven't done it before, it's good to have a coach kind of walk you through it. Moving along. I have also gotten a lot of questions lately for some reason about eggs, okay? And what's the matter with eggs and this and that? So let's talk about it, okay? So salmonella bacteria are a leading cause of food poisoning-related hospitalizations and the top cause of food poisoning-related death. Now, within 12 to 72 hours after infection, the most common symptoms appear, and those include fever, diarrhea, and a really bad stomach ache and cramps. Now, this typically lasts for between four and seven days, but um, in children and the, el- the elderly, the disease can require you to be uh, hospitalized, and there have been plenty of deaths from it. Now, a lot of people associate salmonella with eggs, and this is for good reason. In 2010, more than half a billion eggs were recalled due to salmonella outbreaks. And salmonella in eggs may survive scrambled or over easy or however you're cooking them, including omelets and French toast, and even boiled. You're boiling eggs for like 8-10 minutes, salmonella can survive that. Now, salmonella concerns aside, some experts suggest that eating even one egg a day may exceed the safe upper limit for cholesterol intake um, in terms of cardiovascular disease risk. Now, cholesterol is a vital component of our cells, which is why our body makes all that we need. Now, for most Americans eating a conventional diet, plaque accumulates inside the coronary arteries that feeds our heart muscle. Now, this plaque buildup, known as atherosclerosis, you've heard me talk about this before, is the hardening of the arteries by pockets of cholesterol-rich fatty material that builds up beneath the inner linings of the blood vessels. Now, this process seems to occur over decades, slowly bulging into the space inside the arteries, narrowing the path of blood flow. Now, these the restriction of blood circulation to the heart may lead to chest pain and pressure um, when people try to exert themselves. If the plaque ruptures, the blood clot may form within the artery. Um, this sudden blockage of blood flow may cause a heart attack, and it can even damage or kill off part of the heart. Now, a large body of evidence shows that um, there were once enormous swaths of the world where the coronary heart disease epidemic seemed to be pretty much non-existent, um, and these included rural China and sub-Saharan Africa. Now, it's not genetics. When people move from low to high-risk areas, their disease rates appear to skyrocket as they adopt the diet and lifestyle habits of their um, new homes. The extraordinarily low rates of heart disease in rural China and Africa have been attributed to the extraordinarily low cholesterol levels among these populations. Now, though Chinese and African diets are very different, they are both centered on plant-derived foods such as grains and vegetables. 
Now, by eating so much fiber and so little animal fat, their total cholesterol levels averaged under 150. Uh, it's similar to people eating contemporary strict plant-based diets. Now, according to this guy, William C. Roberts, and he's the editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Cardiology, the only critical risk factor for atherosclerotic plaque buildup is cholesterol, specifically elevated LDL cholesterol in our body. Now, to drastically reduce LDL cholesterol levels, it appears we need to drastically reduce our intake of trans fat, which comes from processed foods and naturally from meat and dairy. Saturated fat, which is found pretty much in only in animal products and junk foods. Um, and playing a lesser role, daily dietary cholesterol found exclusively in animal-derived foods, especially eggs. Okay, so you're, there's a pattern forming here, right? The three boosters of bad cholesterol, the number one risk factor for um, our number one killer, all stem from eating processed foods and animal products. Now, this likely explains why populations living on traditional diets revolving around whole plant foods have largely remained um, free from the epidemic of heart disease. Now, <clears throat> dietary cholesterol may also contribute to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and cholesterol consumption was found to be a strong predictor of cirrhosis and liver cancer. Um, those consuming the amount of cholesterol found in two Egg McMuffins or more every day appeared to double their risk of hospitalization or death. That's pretty staggering if you think about it. Okay, Now, compared with men who rarely eat eggs, men eating less than one egg a day appeared to have twice the risk of prostate cancer progression. Now, Harvard University researchers followed more than 1,000 men with early-stage prostate cancer for several years. Compared with men who rarely ate eggs, men who ate even less than a single egg a day appeared to have twice the risk of prostate cancer progression, such as metastasizing into the bones. Now, the only thing potentially worse for prostate cancer than eggs was poultry. Now, when um, men with more aggressive cancer who regularly ate chicken and turkey had up to four times the prostate cancer progression risk. On the other hand, um, less than a single daily serving of cruciferous vegetables such as broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, I've talked about cruciferous vegetables a, a bunch, cut the risk of cancer progression by more than half. So let me reiterate. Less than a single egg a day doubles your chances for prostate cancer. Less than a single serving a day of cruciferous vegetables cut cancer progression by more than half. So which do you think is better for you, eggs or cruciferous vegetables? Um, so again, you know, eggs, not good for you. Now, where was I here? Bear with me. Okay, so men who consume two and a half or more eggs a week, basically an egg every three days, have roughly an 81% increased risk of dying from prostate cancer. Now, you're probably asking yourself, how could eating less than an egg a day have such a massive impact on cancer risk? Well, the answer is choline. And choline is a compound found concentrated in eggs. Um, 
It is an essential nutrient for normal body functioning, but excess choline can increase the risk of chronic disease and has a ton of uh, very bad side effects. Now, among the highest sources of choline in a standard American diet are, ding ding, eggs. Okay, eggs along with milk and meat, poultry, and seafood. Now, our gut bacteria can turn choline into uh, a toxic byproduct called um, cardiotoxicant, um, TMAO, trimethylene oxide, which is then absorbed back into our system within only an hour of consumption. So the more eggs we eat, the higher choline and TMAO levels we have and the higher risk we have for heart disease and other diseases. Now, choline, as well as carnitine in red meat, can be turned into TMAO, which is associated with inflammation and a much higher risk of heart disease, heart attack, stroke, and death within just a three-year period, which is bananas. Now, higher choline levels in the blood have been associated with a greater risk of prostate cancer, like I talked about just a second ago. The choline in eggs may both increase one's risk of getting cancer, helping it spread, and also dying from it. Studies found that egg consumption led to a 70% increased risk of lethal prostate cancer. Another recent study found that men who consumed two and a half or more eggs per week had, in, again, an increased risk of lethal prostate cancer up to 81%. So, it, it, I mean, it's up to you if you want to eat eggs, but um, I hope that this is getting through to you. And like I talked about, carnitine and red meat um, is not good either. Now, that TMAO, once oxidized in the liver, um, like I said, appears to increase the risk of heart attack, stroke, death in just a three-year time. So, you know, people tout eggs as being the perfect food, and they are the perfect food. They're the perfect food for a baby chicken. They're not the perfect food for a human. And you can listen to anybody spout out, spout out about how good eggs are, but when you look at the facts, facts are facts. And... I'll be happy to send you guys studies so that you can read them. But again, I'm only here giving you the information. What you choose to do with it is, uh, it's, it's your call. But at least, at least, at the very, very least, please, please, please be informed, make the right decisions. There is nothing that tastes as good as healthy feels. With that, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you in a couple weeks. And until two weeks from now, go eat a salad. <laughs>